Hello all, welcome to the Tech and Logic Podcast. My name is Mike and this is the podcast where we try to think logically about some of the latest technology. In this next episode, we will explore tech news. Grab yourself a tasty beverage and let's start talking logically about technology. Hey guys, Tech and Logic here. My name is Mike. And we're going to do some tech news and we may do going to be more focused on I think solar power. Um I Google this is the last few tech news things is basically in tech news I I Google technology and I try to click on articles as I go and read about them and all these kinds of things. And then usually I try and skim read it and talk about it. And it doesn't always work out so well. Sometimes the articles are not the best. And sorry, I was just making sure everything is looking okay audio wise. Okay, I think everything's good. I was adjusting some audio settings, so hopefully this gets better. And I'm trying to dual record right now. So I'm going to record video for YouTube and then I'm also recording the audio separately in audacity to see if that can avoid having me do too many post-processing things and maybe I can just upload everything at once without too much editing that's the goal anyways so I would Google technology and a lot of the news is surrounding coronavirus right now, which is completely fine and expected. But I want to talk about other technology uh, that's not related to that because I feel like we're hearing about it enough. We could talk about something else. So this time I Google technology. I was trying to pre-screen the articles I was reviewing. And it was just getting hectic. I was into like page four or five of the Google search. So I one of the couple of the pages I saw related to solar power. So I decided to Google solar technology in the news and I clicked on some of those articles and I'm going to be 100% honest, I did not even pre-screen them really. I started reading an article. I realized it's getting kind of late on a Sunday and I don't feel like um I don't know. I just didn't feel like reading all the articles and then clicking record. So we're just going to do the same skim reading type thing that we have been doing in the past. And hopefully my hotkeys work. Oop, wrong hotkey. There we go. It should work. And hopefully everything's getting recorded. If not, we're in big trouble. But I think I got everything set up. I'm going to just do a quick double check here. And yes, everything seems to be recorded correctly this time so okay so this was the first article i had it is from bbc news it is on swansea university actually you know what let's not start with that one um let's start with this one which is not based on solar technology uh it's naval news which is pretty cool it's the royal navy shows commitment to drone technology for future operations uh, the Royal Navy has shown its clear intent for greater use of autonomous and uncrewed technology in future operations. That's pretty cool. Um, they have some pretty cool and interesting photos here. It looks like quite a big drone, actually. 
Um, looks to be on some sort of aircraft carrier, possibly. Uh, it was, oh, it's on the HMS Prince of Wales. And it's, it looks like quite a bit, it, it looks pretty big. This quadcopter looks quite large. It's kind of like a flat tan brown, and it's got a quite a big uh, hydroid labeled what looks to be like a torpedo has a little fin on the back um so it seems like you know from reading this article that they have a chief, chief technology officer dan cheeseman uh he co-hosted this event where they were looking at this new technology and I, I guess it's not really new technology. It's a drone that's autonomous. It's not like cutting edge or anything, but using it in this particular way. Um, so the Royal Navy's goal that these new capabilities should be delivered in weeks and months, not years and decades as is currently expected. The work of the Royal Navy's Nelson Digital Acceleration Lab supports this idea. Uh, trials earlier this year in Norway saw this system used on HMS Albion and last year on HMS Argyle. Going forward, going forward, all naval ships will possess open architecture, fully networked, organic crewless aviation systems, with Prince of Wales being at the forefront of the series of trials. Um, basically, they're trying to get uh, their naval, uh, which... You know, they used to have the world-renowned Navy and the Royal Navy. Um, they're basically going to be putting these drones on the ships to try and see what they can do. And they got quite a few of them pictured here, three of them or so on this ship right here. And it looks like they maybe they'll... Um, have cargo or they could deliver life rafts or something like that which would be kind of cool so you don't have to send like a helicopter or something to go save somebody you can just send out a drone with a life raft throw it down be pretty neat uh, it'd be interesting to see what they come up with i read this article kind of quickly and i didn't see uh anything specific other than they're gonna keep it open to being able to communicate with each other and that the new technologies were going to interact and be the whole goal being have this like crewless Navy, which seems interesting. Um, so I just saw that that was like the first thing I Googled. And then after that, it gets into solar cell technology. So uh, Swansea University, this is from BBC News. Uh, they got a six million pound grant to develop solar te cell technology. So Solar cells typically have a silicon, um, what am I trying to say? They typically have silicon as the compound that they use, uh, usually between two pieces of glass. And between those two pieces of glass, you get the silicon, and then it absorbs that light and creates energy and all these kinds of things. I'm not a chemical engineer or anything like that, so I'm not 100% sure how it works. But I know the main components are glass and silicon. So I know that there's been a big push for, gosh, like 10 years now to have some sort of way to use flexible flexible materials to produce electricity. Um, 
So whether it's using the actual motion of the flexing of the material to create energy that can be stored or used, or to have components that are actually uh, flexible so that you could put them in more complex um, applications or maybe embed them into things that move or make them more lightweight, whatever the case may be. You know, as you know, solar panels are usually, they're kind of big or, you know, they're cumbersome and you got to keep them clean and all these kinds of things. And they're kind of a pain, but I know there's quite a few places where they put them on homes or businesses or even out in the infrastructure for like roads and stuff to power signs, those kinds of things. Um, usually hooked up to some sort of battery or something where they can store the energy that can be used later. So this uh, university uh, is hoping to get the next generation of uh, solar cell technology into the market. And they've been working on it for about five years, according to the article. Um, and it's basically an ultra light, oh, I'm sorry, an ultra thin, lightweight, photovoltaic, voltaic, voltaic, photovoltaic. I can never say that word, photovoltaic, voltaic photovoltaic photovoltaic films to generate electricity for buildings and electric vehicles and in household appliances so they're of course they're going to say that right they always say oh it can be on anything and then it comes to find out it doesn't work on nearly anything but they can put on a building which is like what normal solar cells can do anyway so not that big of a deal um but the key thing here is that they're made from polymers and not silicon and they can be 3D printed essentially. So you can actually take a um, take whatever item that you want to have the solar technology and you can just print the polymer right onto the substrate. Uh, so yeah, what the hope is is that this grant, the six million uh, pound, not dollars, uh, British pounds, six million British pounds grant will allow the university to partner with other universities and other businesses to um, develop these new organic organic polymer films uh, to be more versatile in application. So obviously silicon solar cells right now still kind of dominate the market for large scale energy generation, but they're hoping that these little cells could be somehow supplement the untapped areas of the industry. So maybe because they're lightweight, you could use them in a car because that's kind of the reason why you don't really see them in cars. They're very heavy. Um, and the energy generated per the weight uh, is not feasible. It's not very, uh, it's not a good trade off for the vehicles right now. So Basically, this ends up being like a three-university partnership with 12 different industry uh, industrial partners, and they're going to try and find ways to improve the design and make it more usable uh, from the things that they've already developed over the last five years. And basically, it's a generic article. It basically says, oh, we can print it. Oh, it's going to be flexible. Oh, we can put it on everything. <laughs> so it's kind of like a first look article just saying hey they're gonna put some money into this and hopefully they can um 
develop some new technology or new, uh, uh, maybe a cheap, maybe it's expensive right now, whatever. Typically it's always a cost thing. Try and make it cheaper and find somebody that's willing to pay them more money on a regular basis to give them solar cells. Most likely something like this, I would imagine cars would be kind of interested, but I would also be willing to get guess that if you could print it onto something, like let's say you could print it onto, I don't know, you could print it on the shingle of a roof instead of having solar panels or using the Tesla solar roof, you could have traditional shingles that have this printed solar cell technology into it already and maybe a, a small upcharge, much smaller upcharge than the other two options. Then you're talking about getting everybody the capability to do solar power. Um, maybe the other option is to go to businesses or restaurants or something like that in crowded places where maybe the space available for a traditional solar cell is not ideal, but you could have the printed solar cell on maybe the awning of a New York, downtown New York restaurant and then in that restaurant you know you, you have the 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 awning you have the 3d printed solar cell technology on there and maybe all it does is power the cash registers and maybe supplement some of the electricity for the lights nothing crazy but just enough to give the business a little bit more breathing room with the electrical costs those kinds of things it does it's not going to be an end all situation where you you don't have to use the more traditional power sources like coal or nuclear or something like that so i mean that's just the it's always going to be like that i think for a long time i don't think you know there's conservation of energy conservation of mass and all these theories and laws and stuff like that in thermodynamics that you have to adhere to so you know you, you eventually you can only get so much out of it, so we'll see. And I have no idea why this article is so big, but whatever, that's good, I guess. He zoomed in. We're going to use cookies. Okay. So next article I found was from Clean Technica, which is basically a website that's all they talk about is uh, uh, clean energy technologies. And then I didn't even realize they have electric car sales, but whatever. Uh, but they do, they have a whole section on just Tesla news now. Um, let me see their homepage. Yeah. If Tesla news, that's how big Tesla is. And people looking at Tesla that they have a whole section now just on Tesla news. And then they have also EV news and they have solar news, electric car benefits, electric car sales, and then all sorts of other stuff and advertising everywhere. But I've seen this website a bunch. I've, I've read a lot of articles from them. They're pretty good. So this one is from Clean Technica. It's new perovskite solar cell puts another nail in the natural gas coffin. We will see. Uh, just a few years ago, low-cost natural gas was the main force pushing pushing coal out of the power generation market. Now low-cost solar power is sneaking up on low-cost natural gas. So far, the competition is trickle, not a flood. However, natural gas stakeholders don't have much breathing room left, as indicated by the latest 
Pervoskite solar cell research. Um, is this just like an investment? Uh, okay, so there's a couple breakthroughs, I guess, in solar cell technology. So, uh, why a provoskite solar cell? Um, so again, they're talking about cost here. So cost is always a big issue with solar cells and supposedly it's gotten a lot cheaper over the years as with anything. Um, and then, yeah, they're, they're talking about a lot of investing here. But there's also been a, a lot of looking into hybrid wind, solar configurations, anything to. A lot of these companies, they look at alternatives instead of I feel like they would get better. They would get better return on the investment if they could find a way to utilize what they already have. So if they're using natural gas to power something, how can you make the that process of burning the natural gas for energy, how can you make that process more efficient? Maybe that's a stepping stone. Maybe you use solar technology to help power the power plants or something. Does that make sense? I don't know if that makes sense or not, but in my head, it seems like that's a good testing ground, right? You, you're using the technology you hope to replace natural gas or coal or whatever it is, but use that technology to help make the the current power technology or current power process or plant more efficient to run. And maybe that's a good way to test it out. And then now you got these two technologies working together and then you say, oh, okay, we learned a bunch of things on how to make it more efficient. And now we think we can even replace some of the power that we're generating with natural gas with the solar that we already have implemented in the plant and then just kind of make this transition instead of trying to do this one or the other thing and people, um, I don't know. Maybe that's just too open-minded for them. I don't know. Um, but everybody's looking for a more economical material than silicon. Um, and that's supposedly where this P-E-R-O-V-S-K-I-T-E. I've no, no idea how to say that, but Pervoskite solar cell is supposed to be that. That's the thing. Um, they're lab-grown crystalline materials uh, based, based on naturally occurring mineral, Pervoskite. I didn't know that was a naturally occurring mi mineral. Uh, they're relatively relatively inexpensive and easy to fabricate, and their unique optical properties make them ideal for solar applications. Well, let's be honest. If that was the case, why not just re replace all solar cells with this then, if it's so good? First on the scene a few years ago already is a low-cost replacement for silicon. The research has been moving along at a rapid clip. Here in the U.S., the Department of Energy has been among the driving forces among has been among one of the driving forces, I believe is what they meant to say, behind improving the technology. Um, some of the kinks have been worked out. Of course, you're not going to tell me what the kinks are, but basically it's solar cell conversion energy, of course, and manufacturing costs. Didn't it just say up here that it's cheap? Hold on a second. More economical to work with. That's where this new type of cell comes into play. They are relatively inexpensive and easy to fabricate, and their unique optical properties make them ideal for solar applications. 
Let's, let me read that one more time. So in this paragraph, it says the provoskite mineral that they're talking about for the solar cells, they're relatively inexpensive, quote unquote here, quote, they are relatively inexpensive and easy to fabricate and their unique optical properties make them ideal for solar applications, end quote. Okay, now we're into the next paragraph. The provoskites burst on the scene just a few years ago as a low-cost replacement for silicon. The research has been moving along at a rapid clip, blah, 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 blah. The final paragraph here, one sentence, not even a paragraph, final sentence here. Now that some of the kinks have been worked out, researchers are focusing on boosting solar cell conversion efficiency while chopping away at manufacturing costs. Didn't you just say it was inexpensive and easy to fabricate? What manufacturing costs are you talking about here? You're talking about it's easy to fabricate. How could it be expensive if it's easy? I don't know. That seems a little sketchy. I think they're talking out of both ends there. Um, so I guess it looks like built manufacturing. It says in the very next paragraph that manufacturing in bulk quantities is the problem. You can do them one at a time, but trying to do all hundreds and of them at a time are different. Yeah, nobody's figured out how to get the process. Out. See, this is the thing. You can't say it's easy to fabricate. If you can't make a thousand a minute or whatever, whatever, go to a car manufacturing plant, Toyota, GM, wherever. I don't care who it is and figure out how much it costs them to make a door. Okay, just a freaking front door. It can't cost that much. Okay, because they have to make a bajillion of them. You know, for perfect example, Ford F-150. How many front freaking doors do they got to make? Two per car minimum? Yeah, two, well, a t minimum. Two per car, right? Two per truck. They sell a million every year. That's two million doors they got to make every year. Figure out how much their cost is and figure out what they're doing. I don't even know what I was trying to get at there now that I'm thinking about it. Oh, but the, the, that's easy to man. Okay, that's what I was trying to say. Ford making a door is easy to fabricate. Okay, that's easy to fabricate. They make 2 million front doors a year. You can't say something's inexpensive and easy to manufacture easy to fabricate and then go well we can't we can only make a few of them at a time that means it's not easy brother i hate to say it it ain't easy that means it's difficult if you can only make a few means it's difficult if you could make a million very easily then it's not difficult so think before you i don't know where they're getting this information where are they getting their information, Clean Technica? Come on, think a little bit here. You can't say this. Um, I hate when I hate when they do this. This is how every single energy efficient technology article goes. Okay, they go. It's so easy to manufacture. It's so cheap. It's so this. Oh, oh, and then you keep reading and go. Yeah, we make little tiny ones by hand, and it's so easy for our experts that have been doing it for five years. They can make like five a day. 
it's really great but you know making a thousand of them to meet demand of somebody yeah they can't really do that okay then then it's not easy it's easy for the guy or girl or whoever's doing it to make five of them in a day it's easy in that regard but clarify a little bit some people don't read all these articles it just drives me crazy um Basically, this article goes in a bunch of details how some universities, San Diego, one of the universities in San Diego, um, they're trying to figure out how to make the material in a thinner film and uh, eventually make it cheaper and easier. And then they go into cost how to what the cost of solar cells and <laughs> and then the universe and then it says the energy department is aiming at providing access to affordable solar energy to every u.s household by 2025 yeah and it says no really no that's not possible you're not going to do that in four and a half years yeah it's already we're already past halfway point of 2020 and ain't gonna happen i am not going to be able to afford to put solar cells somewhere at my place. It ain't gonna happen. You can think it's gonna happen, but yeah, I may be able to buy solar cells maybe, but putting them in somewhere or even having a location that's conducive to, to even using solar cells. Anyways, all right, I'm done with that. We're done with these clean technical, crazy. Also name minerals that are easier to pronounce. Also something I would like to see. Okay, Global Construction Review. Interesting website. News. Australia backs plan for world's biggest solar farm to power Singapore. I feel like I read something like this before. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. I, I could have swore Australia already had the biggest solar farm in the world let's read and find out maybe i'm right australian government has assigned major products project status to a proposed uh 22 billion dollar plan to build the world's well australian money whatever their aussie money is says a 22 billion plan to build the world's largest solar farm in Australia's Northern Territory and send the electricity through a 3,700 kilometer long undersea cable to Singapore where prometers prom, say it will meet 20% of Singapore's demand for power. Wow. The 12,000 hectare acre solar farm to be located near the town of Elliot in the Barclay region will be visible from space. It says Sun Cable, the startup company formed to develop the scheme. What? Did Australia just basically start a solar power company with $22 billion, call it Sun Cable, and then say build us a solar... What the hell? Electricity will be stored in a 30 gigawatt hour battery, the world's biggest, according to Sun Cable, allowing transmission at night. Obviously. <laughs> what the hell? 
Uh, electricity will be sent by cable 700 kilometers to the coast at Darwin to begin its submarine journey to Singapore. How long is it? Okay, here it is. I was just about to say, how long is this going to freaking take? Answer in the very next sentence. First round of investor funding. In, uh, they're going to get their first round of investor funding in November. Believes the operation called Australian ACN PowerLink AAPL can be up and running in 2027. And then in the future, they're going to hook up Indonesia as well. So I have a random question. Is all of Australia getting powered by solar energy? Yes, no? Why? I'm not saying they Singapore or Indonesia doesn't need solar energy or they, they couldn't benefit. But why is Australia spending $22 billion to power sun power there instead of just getting their entire country under solar power am i missing something maybe i'm missing something uh it's going to create 1500 jobs significant milestone okay but this is again all traditional stuff so essentially it looks like australia basically gave the seed money to a startup company to build a solar farm and run a really giant cable all the way to singapore interesting very interesting. Okay. Shell and Aneco's offshore wind farm to include floating solar and hydrogen production. Dutch government is looking to ramp up its offshore. Oh, this is from CNBC. Ugh. If you notice, I try and stick to articles that are not from traditional news sources, even though BBC, I guess, is kind of a traditional news source. But for whatever reason, I don't know, I'd rather... Um, Ooh, I like this. I'm going to click on this article right here. Bam. Oh, but it's on our CNBC again. Ugh. Anyways, all right. Shell and Echo's offshore wind farm too includes floating salt. And it's not just CNBC. If it was Fox or CNN or any of them, I don't like... They, they don't do a good job with technology news, okay? The traditional news just does not do a good job. Even this BBC article earlier from Swansea University... With the grant, it didn't say diddly squat, okay? Other than they got some money and they're going to try and take their technology. And, but they had no details, okay? Unlike Clean Technica, at least Clean Technica put in some details, whether they were contradicting or not. They at least had some details about the cost of solar energy, which I didn't get into. You know, who's working on it, what the difficulties are. You know, they're trying to, they're working through some difficulties, Um you know, on how to make this Provoskite's uh, solar cell better. I'm not going to get into it all. It's all linked below. It's just way too much detail for this. But there's tons and tons and tons of detail in here specific to how that technology works. I guarantee you CNBC here is not going to get into this detail, but we're going to go ahead and give it a try. I did not notice it was from CNBC, so I apologize. Also, there's breaking news at the top of this page that says Microsoft confirms talks to buy TikTok in the U.S. aims to finish deal by September 15th. For the love of God. Microsoft stock's going to go through the roof. Um, so they're going to develop an... Okay, so Shell and Enico is to develop an offshore... I just went on a huge rant. I apologize. 
but it is to develop an offshore wind farm that will incorporate a range of technology demonstrations, including floating solar and hydrogen production by electrolysis. Okay. This already sounds pretty good. Uh, this is a huge deal, but I always wondered how this affects um, natural ocean currents. I don't know why. I don't know if that's like even a thing that these things would even affect that. I don't know how uh, easy it is for the water to move the or to 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 move the components that make the electricity. I've seen them. Some of them are floating. There's all different kinds that they've played with over the last 10, 15 years that I've seen. And I've always wondered, is there a point at which you put too much stuff in the water and then the water, like the currents change? And then does that like screw up the f sea life? Because I believe like migrating sharks and whales and stuff like that that go thousands of miles from one place to another they kind of follow the currents. And if you like adjust the current a little bit, would they like just magically end up somewhere else and totally screw their lives up? I have no idea. I have no idea, but it's something I've always thought about and I wish I knew the answer to that. I should Google it. Anyways, so the shallow, like they need any more money. Uh, 759 megawatt Holland Daisy. Kutst Nord facility will be subsidiary, subsidy free and able to produce at least 3.3 terawatt hours annually. Damn. 69 turbines from Siemens. Damn. Crosswind Joint Venture, as it's known, is aiming for the project, which will be located in waters approximately 18.5 kilometers off the coast of Netherlands, to be up and running by the year 2023. Wow, that's pretty fast. For 69 turbines to get installed? Holy shit. That's got to be a hell of a crew. And that is not far off the coast. 18.5 kilometers. That's not that far. That's I mean, you could probably see that from... No, I guess you couldn't see that. But still, that's not that far off. I wonder why they're doing it so close to the shore. I wonder if that matters or if you get more. Maybe I guess that's where the waves are the greatest. Probably you can't just put it in the middle of the ocean. I'm answering my own questions here because I'm just that smart. I can figure it all out. All right. That's why you guys listen. Uh, while the scheme will not be the biggest offshore wind farm around, Hornsea 1 in waters off Yorkshire, England, has a capacity of 1.2 gigawatts. For example, it will do more than just produce wind power. Interesting. Okay, man, it's like I, I swear to God, I didn't read this before when I commented on that they should do like joint technologies together. You know, you should do, I was saying natural gas and solar together or something like that. But this is exactly what I was talking about. They were going to floating solar technology, so-called green hydrogen generated by electrolysis. Green hydrogen refers to hydrogen produced using renewable sources such as wind power. So, okay, so instead of just doing the turbines, they're going to also use, put some, it looks like they're going to put some solar technology out there as well to get some hydrogen, which is a decent idea.
That's a good idea. So you're combining two technologies to get two different renewable resources using two different quote unquote renewable resources to generate power either by getting some hydrogen or getting some um, sea energy through the turbines. That's a good, that's a damn good idea. It's not, that's not horrible. Not horrible. I like this idea actually, and this is not actually a hor horrible article. CNBC, you did a good job for once. I apologize for uh, shitting on you before I read your article, but uh, yeah, you don't usually do a good job. Um, so the last article here, well, I just clicked on this article. It's called Rivian. Ra it's from CNBC again. Rivian raises two point five billion in aggressive plan to beat Tesla and Nikolai Nikola with the first all electric pickup. So this has been in the news for quite a while. I think it's one of the baddest ass looking cars. Just period car. Just baddest ass looking car. Other than the new Ford Bronco, which is freaking sweet looking. But this Rivian truck, it's kind of like a love it, hate it, but I, I really like the way it looks. You should look it up. I'll, I'll include a link below if you haven't seen it before. It's been in the news for a couple of years now. I think you could, I, I think you could have pre-ordered them already, put some money down to get one. They have a truck and an SUV. And um, Rivian got a ton of money. I know, I think Amazon invested in them. Um, and... They got a bunch of money. They've raised six billion dollars so far, and they just got another one point three billion uh, in funding in December. Um, Amazon pre-ordered a hundred thousand of them for their vehicle fleets. Wow, that's cool. Mitsubishi Rivian will produce the vehicles at a former Mitsubishi Motors plant in Normal, Illinois, which was purchased for $60 million in 2017. The company is spending more than $750 million to equip, renovate, and expand the facility ahead of production. Ooh, they were getting made in the United States. That's even better. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I think it looks cool. I don't know if you can see it here. I think this looks absolutely awesome. The inside also looks great. Um. And yeah, you can do pre-order still for a thousand bucks. Yeah, I would definitely look at this company. I think they're, I think something's going to happen here. Nikola, I haven't heard much about Nikola. I don't know what's going to happen here. Just because you name your name Nikola, so you can confuse people who are looking for Tesla. It doesn't, it's not going to work. Oh, here's the interior of the vehicle. If you're watching the YouTube, also everything's on YouTube too. Um, but it looks super sweet and luxurious. It's obviously going to be expensive. Okay. It's how it works. That's how Tesla work to start off with something expensive. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty stoked for this Rivian thing. So I think that's going to be cool. And then the last article, and then we'll make this a short podcast if it ever is short, but I saw this and it sounded clickbaity. I hate to say it. I didn't read this article and it sounded clickbaity and I'm, Oh, I'm afraid to scroll down right now. It's from BBC News. It's from Science and Environment section. And says, what the heroin industry can teach us about solar power. Yes. Now we're talking. How can the drug addicts and drug lords of the world save the environment? Yes, please. Let's continue. If you have ever doubted whether solar power can be transformative technology, can be a transformative technology, read on. Ooh, 
such epic writing, Mr. Justin Rollott, the chief environment correspondent for BBC News at BBC Justin R, in case you're looking for him on social media. This is a story about how it has proved its worth in the This is a story about how it has proved its worth in the toughest environment possible. The market I'm talking about is perhaps the purest example of is this a blog? Because I'm pretty sure this is on BBC News. Under the science and environment section, starting off to sound like a blog, like something I would write. Let's scroll down a little bit. Uh, Trying to make a profit. It is a story of how Afghan opium growers have switched to solar power and significantly increased the world supply of heroin. Yes. Yes. When you go green... Just saying. Just saying. Uh, Almost 80% of all Afghan opium now comes from the southwest of the country, including Helmand. That means pretty much two-thirds of the global supply. Damn! From one spot. Nice. So not the kind of place you would expect to be at the forefront of efforts to decarbonize the economy. Of course, dude, if anybody's looking to save money or make more money, it's drug lords. Hello. Duh. Of course they're looking into solar technology. Are you kidding me right now? You're surprised that they don't want to spend a shit ton of money powering whatever facilities they need to harvest and refine heroin from plants. Are you kidding me? This is a, you have to be the dumbest person on the planet, Justin. No offense. Sort of a little bit to be offensive, but my goodness. Use your brain, man. I guess that's why you wrote the article. I don't know. But holy crap. Ooh, these satellite images show their solar farms. 67,000 solar arrays just uh, just in just in the Hellman Valley in 2019. Holy crap. There's a picture here of all these solar arrays. Oh my gosh, 67,000. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. I don't know why I'm so excited about this, but it's freaking hilarious. Use the power of pumps to to fill reservoirs full of water. There's one picture here with that. That's cool, man. That's cool. Wow. For like five grand, they have this whole setup here. It says to run a pump and use generator. You know, generators keep breaking down, so they use the solar to power the pumps. That's great. Amazing. Hey, man. Who would have thought that all these companies I was just talking about who are going over how to make solar power better was supporting the opium trade? <laughs> I'm just messing around. I, don't know, I wasn't trying to get too excited about, I mean, heroin's obviously not cool, but, uh, you know, it is obviously, to me, it seems... Uh, kind of makes sense that 
these people who are showing, you know, they're trying to sell drugs and stuff. They're trying to make as much money as possible. So if they can have zero running costs or net zero running costs, obviously they're going to be looking into whatever they can. And it's hot out there. So solar makes sense. This is a really big article. I'm not going to go through it all, but I just, I, I love the headline. Um, what, what the heroin industry can teach us about solar power. Um, what's the punchline here? Let's get all the way down to the end. Um, I don't see, oh, there's going to be a crisis. I don't, oh, okay. So they're, they're producing a lot of power, these farmers. Okay, so it's also the Afghan farmers are producing a lot of power through solar, which is cool. I'm not saying what kind of farmers, but, you know. Anyways, so let's do a quick recap here. Solar power, there's lots of things going on. Lots of work being done. Lots of plants being made. Lots of farms being done. Where's the future? I mean, it's just going to keep getting more and more, but eventually there's got to be something somewhere. Something's got to happen. I mean, you got to either make it more efficient, cheaper, whatever. Something's got, it seems like nobody's got this like surefire way to make it definitely the best thing to use. So I, I have no idea where the future of solar power is, but maybe um, I, I don't see it in any time soon getting on a vehicle on a, where I'm saying on a vehicle in a sense that it's going to be only used for a vehicle. I think maybe to supplement it. I think even Toyota puts like some solar cells on a Prius just to say, look, you got some solar cells. I don't think it really does anything that much other than maybe you power the pump for like the power of the water pump or something like that. Something stupid. Um, so I don't think you're going to get anything like that for a long time. You may never get it unless it's like super flexible stuff like that one company work, one university working on the polymers that you can print. Maybe you can do that. Um, but solar is going to be mostly a static thing out in the middle of nowhere. And the problem is what happens, you know, as the population grows, the amount of space available, I would imagine for solar power may decrease increase i'm not sure it may just maybe somebody's got to take the brunt and say hey we're going to put it you're going to make a rule and say every building that has x square footage of roof has to have a solar panel on it or something you got to do something to make it more worthwhile for these companies and then on top of that you have to Figure out a way to make it cheaper and more efficient. Otherwise, you're not really going to get anywhere with the solar power. You're going to have to find some other way to do it. Um, but it seems like everybody wants battery technology and solar power and all this kinds of stuff. I don't know why, other than, you know, you got a couple accidents that have happened and it's lots of nuclear fallout. But I, you know, I think nuclear is pretty efficient. I'm not 100% sure, but... Maybe they're bailing on nuclear because of the two fallouts. You got Chernobyl and then you got the, I think the accident in Japan or whatever. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but maybe that's why there's even bigger push now for solar. It would make sense, but even batteries, if you can't recycle batteries, they're useless. If you can't recycle these lithium ion batteries or they don't come up with a battery technology soon for all these electric cars that are coming out, every single one that's coming out has a lithium ion battery that cannot be recycled. So either you figure out how to recycle it or you better dig a big damn hole in the ground because that's where they're going to go. 
and maybe you put a solar panel farm on top of the big hole that you just dug for all the lithium-ion batteries for the Tesla vehicles that just got sold over the last 10 years, and then all these new electric vehicles. You put a big hole in the ground, you put all these lithium-ion batteries in it, then you put a solar farm on top of it, and then that that's how you make up for the fact that you just contaminated the ground soil. I don't know. I just, I don't know. You know, it just, I get the whole point of being renewable and stuff like that. It makes sense, but sometimes I think people push so fast and they don't think, they just working on the technology. You need someone else to think about what happens when that technology comes out, how you're going to use it, you're going to be recyclable, all these kinds of things. Is it because nothing's really truly renewable? You're, there's always some sort of operation cost. So, I don't know. I think this is a big, long topic. Maybe we can talk about it next week, but I'm going to stop there because holy crap, it's 48 minutes and uh, I got a phone call here, so I got to stop. But anyways, this is Mike with Tech and Logic with Tech News, looking at mainly solar power. Hope you enjoyed it. I'll catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Tech and Logic podcast. I hope you enjoyed the discussion and made you think about technology a little more than you had in the past. Don't forget to share this podcast with everyone you know. And if you want to find me on social media, I am Tech and Logic One on Twitter, Tech and Logic Eighteen on Instagram. You can also find this podcast on YouTube at Tech N Logic. And don't forget to turn on notifications wherever you are to know when the next episode is published. If you really enjoyed the podcast and want some technology discussed logically, send me subject ideas at any of the mentioned locations or at contact.techandlogic, all one word, at gmail.com. For all of this information and more, check the show notes of this podcast. Thank you for listening, and remember, keep thinking logically about technology.